Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Picture in your mind a Neanderthal. What do you see? Do you see a scruffy-looking man with untamed beard and hair, perhaps an animal skin loincloth, a heavy brow with knuckles dragging along the ground? You see, we've been fed these images of early humans for a long, long time now, and our knowledge now shows this to be not only inaccurate but also somewhat unfair. Some might assume that it's just us, Homo sapiens, and them, Neanderthals, that roamed the Earth together, what, about 300,000 years ago. Actually, there were more than nine different hominid species living at the same time as us. So the question really is, how is it that we are the only ones to survive? Author and journalist Sarah Wilde's new book, Human Origins, A Short History, explores precisely this topic. Welcome to you, Sarah. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me. I know that this wasn't your original area of study, but you must have come across some pretty amazing facts that really tickled you and made you want to continue learning about human evolution. Tell me about chins, straight arms and the ability to dance. So, yes, the thing about writing a book is you kind of deep dive and you get into it and you get a bit more eccentric than you were before. Um, so I would find myself standing in kind of mom's groups and I'd say, do you know that humans are the only, homo sapiens are the only species of human with chin? Um, and everyone would just kind of look at me and be like, cool, Sarah. <laughs> uh, this is fascinating. And I didn't know that uh, we were the only species uh, that can, well, of, of hominid that can, can straighten our arms. Is this true? Monkeys cannot op uh, straighten their arms. So about more than 9 million years ago, we all shared a common ancestor. And over time, small little genetic changes sent us off on this different evolutionary path. And one of the evolutionary paths that we went on that humans and apes share is that we can straighten our elbows. That elbow joint is so mobile that we can straighten it, whereas monkeys can't. And the chins? Only Homo sapiens have chins, but we don't know why. It's one of those little mysteries that are kind of peppered through our origin story that we don't know an answer to. Maybe we'll find it out one day. That's the amazing thing about paleoanthropology is that, you know, for stuff that's been buried in the ground for millions of years, they seem to make discoveries every other day. It's quite remarkable. So we know a fair bit about us. We know a bit about Neanderthals, but who else did we see roaming the planet? Well, that's the thing. So in the last, I'd say, two decades, there's just been this explosion of species that we recognize. It might be that they're just more paleoanthropologists digging up stuff um, or that we're getting better at looking or that our science is getting better. But about 300,000 years ago, there were at least nine species. Um, and bear in mind that we there's large swaths of the earth that we haven't looked at. So we have, in, in South Africa, we have Homo naledi, um, which is a very small ape-like hominid. Um, so it doesn't look just like us. Um, it, it, but it was bipedal. It was able to walk on two legs. And this is one of the really important things about, you know, when you decide where a creature sits on, on the human origin tract is, could they walk upright? You quote Professor Eleanor Skerry from Germany who says that homonym species were dying out quite frequently and that it's unusual that we survived. What do scientists currently think are some of the reasons why we are here and the others seem to have died out? 
Well, in, in large part, it might be luck. So, so we we can never rule out luck in this. But there are there are a number of reasons that they why they think that we had a slight advantage, and and that's what kind of everyone else died out, but we continued. So one of the reasons might be, for example, and we say might because we are trying to read into the deep past. So these are hypotheses. The one might just be numbers, that there may have been more homo sapiens that we were able to live in larger groups. We may have been able to live in larger groups because of a slight advantage in communication, where we were able to talk better with each other. We were able to share information, knowledge, what we wanted to do, and that allowed us to have groups of 30 or so, whereas the others had smaller groups. So now if you have bigger groups, you have greater genetic diversity. If your groups are small, individuals start inbreeding, diseases creep in, and you're more likely to die. Also, if you have bigger groups, you're more likely to be able to share information and help each other. Um, and if you have more groups around the countryside, for example, you're able to lean on each other when times are difficult. So if the climate starts changing, you know, 20 kilometers that way, there you have family and a large group who could take you in. And that might be one of the major advantages that Homo sapiens had over everyone else. You mentioned the perils of interbreeding within the species, but I wonder if uh, early humans were able to interbreed between these different species. Was it possible that we just incorporated them into our gene pool? You, you know, 10 years ago, every almost every scientist would have said that is not possible, but we now know that it is. Um, whereas some people, such as Eleanor Scary, who you mentioned, think that we might have assimilated many of these species into Homo sapiens and that they are, in fact, us. So, I mean, humans, Homo sapiens living in Eurasia at the moment have up to 2% Neanderthal DNA. We know that we also have something, a, a strange, mysterious people called Denisovans, they also form part of our DNA. Denisovans were living in kind of Tibet and Siberia around the same time as Neanderthals were around. We don't know what they look like, but we know they were there from genetics where we found toe bones and finger bones with their DNA in it. But then, you know, we even have totally out there options where there was a study done on populations in West Africa. And the scientists found that up to a fifth of their genetic ancestry was from a ghost ancestor that we haven't discovered yet. So that's fascinating. And I noted when you said at least seven to nine uh, different versions of early humans. So these are ghost humans that you write about in your book, essentially are uh, elements of early uh, humanity where there's no physical evidence, but there is this link or evidence in our own DNA. Yes, exactly. And living right now, there are people who contain the remnants of these 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 long ago ancestors um, who we haven't discovered yet because we base what we know in terms of our human origin story and of what we've dug out of the ground, well, to date. But now that kind of gene sequencing and our understanding of genetics is progressing, so does our understanding of kind of where we fit into the story of humanity. If you've just joined me on RN Drive, author and journalist Sarah Wilde is here. We're discussing the reasons Homo sapiens survived above all other hominids on uh, the program. This idea about the image of Neanderthals that we have 
I mean, you've got to sort of blame early science communicators to some extent for giving us this image of this sort of furrowed brow and hairy back and dragging around a, a big bone. It seems to be that that is this stereotype that has persisted or has become dominant. But where did it really come from? Is there any kind of scientific basis to this mental image that we have about Neanderthals? So paleoanthropology is a really interesting field in that it often mirrors us and our biases back at ourselves. Um, and when it comes to Neanderthals, some of the early uh, specimens that we found, one of them was of an old man. But now bear in mind, if, if you were a Neanderthal old man, you were like 40, <laughs> which is disconcerting if, if you're around that age now. Um, and because of that, he was, it showed in his bones. He had a hunch. He, he was kind of decrepit. He would have struggled to walk. And that individual was taken as the basis for what Neanderthals look like. And as we've learned more, as we've found more specimens, we have more specimens of Neanderthal than any other hominin aside, aside from Homo sapiens. Um, and so as we collect more specimens, we learned more. But the interesting thing is now looking back at that individual, it tells us a lot about Neanderthals because that individual would have been, he would have struggled to hunt, he would have struggled to eat, he would have needed the support of his community to survive as long as he did. So what it actually shows us is that Neanderthals lived in social groups where they cared about each other and helped each other. And the more we learn about Neanderthals, the more we learn that they, they're just remarkable um, and intelligent and, and very similar to us. I love how you say that we're learning so much uh, in terms of early versions of, of humans, because there are still these very big outstanding questions and certainly who and where is some of the two big ones. In your mind, what do you see as some of the biggest questions in bedding down our, our understanding of early humans? So, I mean, this question of where did everyone else go, it, it goes to the heart of the matter because what is it about humans that are special? And that's something that when I started writing this book, alongside having a small child and kind of watching her as I, I was writing this and thinking of these, these little things that, that changed and just made us magic. Do you think you could have written this book if it wasn't for having uh, witnessed the, the sort of raising of your own child alongside? Because that, that sort of innate understanding and observation can only come from being a parent as well as a science writer and enthusiast as you are. It enriches both, actually. So I was going to write the book anyway. The, bo the book was happening whether I wanted to or not, and because I was just fascinated by this question of, of how did we become this? How did we, how do we play sport and and, and and try and understand philosophy and dance to music and bake cookies? Um, how did we become this? And watching it a small child alongside doing all of this research, it's little things. It's how do we perceive the world? It's just how much we've, we're able to do because our thumbs can bend and are opposable and we can grip and the precision of trying to hold a pencil and what are the implications of being able to hold a pencil and communicate and write books and send messages to people on the other side of the planet, um, which no one else, no other creature can do the way that we can. And these small moments of exceptionalism and the capacity for what we can do with it um, and the responsibility of it um, having a child while writing a book like this, it really hammers that home. You know, I've been wondering about the chins and I think we've got chins because it looks good in selfies. Maybe that's the evolutionary imperative. What do you think? That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. I wonder if it's because we talk so much. 
And if, if, we, if we, our muscles are so well developed around our mouth and our tongue and our jaw that if over time we have developed different protrusions to help muscles hang on. Yeah, that does sound better than my theory. theory. It's not based on too much science. Um, but who knows? I, you know, I'll wait 10 years and someone might prove me right um, because that's paleoanthropology. It's been an absolute delight to uh, to use my chin and jaw muscles uh, with you this afternoon. Author and journalist Sarah Wilde has been my guest. Her book, Human Origins, A Short History, has plenty more exciting factoids that you can share as your own. Thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. Thanks, Andy. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. Andy Park. 